Dominus illuminatio mea, et salus mea. The Lord is my light and my salvation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The recurrence of Psalm 26 in the Masses of the time after Pentecost constitutes, I think, a pressing invitation to return to Psalm 26 in Lexio Divina and to consider how and why and where the Church places it on the lips of her children. If you will allow me, I shall glance first at last Sunday's Mass, that of the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, when we sang the opening verses of Psalm 26 in the introit, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the protector of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? My enemies that troubled me have themselves been weakened and fallen. If armies in camp should stand together against me, my heart shall not fear. And the light evoked in the intro at last Sunday was reflected in the offertory antiphon. Enlighten my eyes, we sang from Psalm 12, that I never sleep in death, lest at any time my enemies say I have prevailed against him. Now, it is entirely possible to hear in the liturgical use of Psalm 26 at the introit, complemented last Sunday by Psalm 12 at the offertory, the prayer of the Apostle Peter, who was the key figure of last Sunday's Gospel. And today again, on the fifth Sunday after Pentecost, St. Peter, the Prince of the Apostles, emerges in the Epistle as our teacher. And while he does not figure explicitly in the Gospel, the whole Gospel treating as it does, of the forgiveness by which a man's sacrifice at the altar becomes acceptable in the sight of God, that gospel resonates nonetheless with the question that St. Peter put to Jesus. Then came Peter unto him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother offend against me and I forgive him? I seem to detect a note of exasperation in St. Peter's question. Till seven times, Peter thinks he's being generous. Jesus saith to him, I say not to thee till seven times, but till seventy times seven times. Now, 
this principle of today's gospel has passed into the monastic tradition in East and West. For some weeks I had posted on our board the saying of Abba Zeno. Abba Zeno said, if a man wants God to hear his prayer quickly, then before he prays for anything else, even his own soul, when he stands and stretches out his hands towards God, he must pray with all his heart for his enemies. For his enemies. Through this action, says Abba Zino, God will hear everything that he asks. And what does our father St. Benedict say? In chapter 13 of the Holy Rule. The office of lauds and vespers must never conclude without the Lord's Prayer being said aloud by the Superior so that all may hear it on account of the thorns of scandal which are wont to arise. So that the brethren, by the covenant which they make in that prayer, when they say, forgive us as we forgive, may cleanse themselves of such faults. So, how does this motif of forgiveness relate to the singing of Psalm 26 today at both the introit and the communion? Our Lord said to the apostles at the Last Supper, Without me you can do Nothing. Nothing. This saying surely lodged itself in Peter's memory. Peter had enough personal experience of weakness and failure to make him cling to this word of the Lord as his only hope. To forgive is a divine action. To men, marked by original sin and weakened by vice, vices, the habitual repetition of actual sins, to men, the act of forgiving does not come easily. It requires grace. Grace, a divine intervention that moves the heart to mercy and inclines the will to forgive, even when the memory of past offenses still rankles. And so we sang in the intro of the Mass, Hear, O Lord, my voice, with which I have cried to thee. Be thou my helper, forsake me not. Do not thou despise me, O God, my Savior. Dr. Donaldson will be happy to hear me say, I think, that the melody of today's introit 
begins by descending on the second word of the opening phrase, domine, into the lower reaches of the fourth mode. The prayer of supplication always obliges a man to lower himself in the presence of God, to cry out to God from a position of weakness and of utter need. And in the second phrase of the introit, there is a movement of hope. The melody comes to rest on far, an unstable note of the fourth mode, not because we doubt of the Lord's goodness, but because our prayer is at the same time full of hope in God and marked by the experiences of our own weakness, hence that unstable far. It is as if we catch our breath on the word te. Hear, O Lord, my voice with which I have cried to thee. Qua clamavi ad te. Only to soar upward to the highest note of the whole piece in singing Adutor meus esto, be thou my helper. Now the word esto is the summit and cornerstone of the whole piece, borrowing something of the solidity and security of the eighth mode in this fourth mode piece. And the intro it closes after a movement of profound adoration expressed by the treatment of the word Deus. It descends again into the lowest place of the whole piece. One sings and hears and experiences what it is to fall low before God in an act of abandonment adoration and submission. The fruit of such a prayer is always the grace to forgive as God has forgiven us. One cannot emerge from such a prayer unchanged. One cannot sing such a prayer and hold one's heart hardened in unforgiveness. One of the graces of the chant is that the Holy Ghost uses it to soften even the hardest of hearts. And we shall return to Psalm 26 in the Communion Antiphon, so that we have Psalm 26 at the beginning of Mass and Psalm 26 at the end of Mass. The Communion Antiphon, because it is the piece of the Mass that is repeated over and over again during the communion of the faithful, is the piece that is most likely to leave a lasting impression, even when Holy Mass is ended, and we return to the ordinary ebb and flow 
daily life. And today's communion antiphon, in the seventh mode, begins, begins on a high note of supernatural confidence. One thing I have asked of the Lord. It does not begin where one might expect. Why is this so? It is because the holy sacrifice will have been offered at that moment. We shall sing at the offertory with all the majestic assurance of the first mode, I set the Lord always in my sight, for he is at my right hand that I be not moved. What is the holy sacrifice of the Mass? If not God, set always in the sight of those who, raising their eyes to the host, can declare with full assurance, He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. The faith and hope that animate the offertory antiphon quietly increase until we find our voice again in the communion antiphon. One thing I have asked of the Lord, this will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. One who dwells in the house of the Lord all the days of his life is close to, very close to, the wellspring and source of mercy. The altar of the house of God is the place from which all forgiveness flows. It is also the place to which, altogether, the forgiving and the forgiven alike. In the church there is room for only two sorts of people, the forgiving and the forgiven. Not one or the other, but both together, the forgiving and the forgiven. The altar, then, is the place where the forgiving and the forgiven make their way to present to the Father the offering which he will not refuse. Here, O God, is my sacrifice, a broken spirit, a heart that is humbled and contrite, O God, thou wilt never disdain. Why the broken heart? Why the broken heart? Because the mercy of God can penetrate only the broken heart. And because forgiveness proceeds only and always from the broken heart. Only those whose hearts have been broken can receive the mercy of God. Only those whose hearts have been broken can forgive. And because the broken heart is the source of the psalmist's most confident prayer, the very one that we sang in the intro, it, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.